I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 7. And I do want to share this with you this morning. And the question is, does Jesus know you? This has been on my heart since COVID. Um, These scriptures that I'm going to read with you today. Some of it's a little bit familiar with you. But I wanted to bring it to your attention again. Because the Lord has given me just a little bit more insight on this. I can't get away from it. Um, when God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, he came so that we might have a relationship with God. It was not the intention of Jesus to have some huge evangelistic campaign where we could go into the world and get people to say the sinner's prayer. And we were able to say, you know, at the end of the year, I saw a hundred people give their hearts to Jesus or for a big time evangelist. We saw 50,000 people this year say the sinner's prayer. I mean, I'm not saying those things are bad and I'm not against that, but really it's discipleship. It's coming into this kingdom of God and it's being a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what he wanted. He wants us to have relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship with his father. And there's people all over America that profess that they know God. And what's unique about this passage of scripture that we're going to read, it's never once brought up where, you know, do you know Jesus? But the real question is, does Jesus know you? And that's the question here, because we might all say that I know God. Yes, I know Jesus. And it's wonderful if you can say that. But the most important thing is when Jesus Christ returns to earth, he will say that I know you. That's the greatest thing of all. And I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes this morning. And I pray you just allow the the Lord to soften your heart. My heart um, is greatly convicted by this. And and I'm, I'm grateful for the conviction of the Lord. Because it just shows me it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, the devil works through condemnation, but the Holy Spirit works through conviction and he draws us closer to him. So there's this verse of scripture in chapter seven, verse 23. And Jesus said, and then while I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's quite a statement to make. And I don't think that's anything that people want to hear Jesus say to them. I never knew you. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. I never knew you. We've never had a relationship, you know. And so that would be, it it will be, for those that hear it from Jesus, it will be the most horrific statement that they have ever heard in all of their existence. And I believe that they'll go into eternity probably hearing that over and over and over again throughout eternity. He never knew me. He never knew. How could I get it so wrong? I mean, I felt like I was doing everything right. I felt like I was doing everything that God wanted and everything that God required. As a matter of fact, if you just look up a few verses, you'll see what some of the people were saying to the Lord. Verse 21, he says, not everyone that says to me, and I want this to stand out to you, Lord, Lord, just remember that, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that says that, many of you have said that, and it doesn't mean just because you say that or you've said that, that you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven. So that's what we need to know. What is the will of the father that's in heaven? Because I I believe that that is central. We need to make sure that Jesus knows us. And then he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, there it is again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? 
and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. These seem like pretty good things, you know. It's not like they're getting drunk and gambling and murdering, but what they're doing is, is they're casting devils out in the name of Jesus. Jesus never denies this. He never turns to them and says, no, you didn't. You, you can say you did. You didn't do any of those things. He never denies that. And then, he, and then they said they've done many wonderful things. And, and, and they prophesied in the name of Jesus. And, and yet Jesus is saying that they are to be removed from him because he doesn't know them and that they are workers of iniquity. <clears throat> this is very startling to me. And I think it's something that I pray would, would be at work in your life. The word of God just churning in your life uh, regarding your relationship with God. I want to go back to verse 23. And I want you to understand that right after this verse, Jesus begins to say something like this. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it didn't fall for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So there are two things that Jesus says here. In verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, saying, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to profess to you I never knew you. Depart from me. Therefore, because of that, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that's got to be important. And so what we have to, what we have to be concerned about is two things. Am I hearing the sayings of Jesus and am I doing them? I mean, you can't get away from that, can you? I want you to be in your word with me today because, and, and I don't really, you know, I'm not against putting scriptures on the, on, the, on the wall, but I'd like you to turn in your Bible and read it with me. He says in verse 26, he says the same thing again. Everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not. And so Jesus is telling us that it is necessary that you hear what I'm saying and it's necessary that you do what I'm saying. And so here are some people that stand before Jesus Christ one day and they say to him, we've prophesied in your name, we've cast out devils in your name, we've, did, we've done many wonderful things in your name. Certainly those were things that Jesus directly charged his disciples to do and they did it. I mean, these were the sayings of Jesus and they're doing it, but it wasn't the sayings that they were missing what he was really saying. They were not really hearing what he was saying. And so I pray this morning that you and I will be able to hear what he's saying. You know, Jesus said oftentimes, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I thank God it's so spelled out in the Word of God so clearly. So Jesus says that you're going to depart from me because I never knew you. And he immediately goes into this parable about these two men. One's wise, one's foolish. One built his house on a rock. One built his house on sand. And the rains came and the floods came and the wind beat. One house stood, one house fell, right? You see that? He also says in chapter 7, if you, if you would just 
if you will, just kind of go back to some of these things. And he talks about in, in verse 3 of chapter 7, Why behold the mote that's in your brother's eye, and consider not the beam that's in your own? All right, just let that get in your spirit, because I'm, we're going to go to another gospel passage where this is all occurring again through a, through a different writer. All right, so we're going we're gonna to try to get this in, in the context of what Jesus is saying that he wants us to hear. <clears throat> and so it says, why are you looking at the moat, the splinter in your brother's eyes? You've got a beam that's in yours. How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the moat in your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of your own eye, then shall you see clearly to cast the moat out of your brother's eye. And then he goes on and he talks about more of these things that we come. He says in verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. He says in verse 17, every good tree brings forth good fruit. A corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So you're talking about fruit bearing. You're talking about judging. You're talking about being a wise master builder that's going to build your life on a rock or you're going to build your life on sand. And these things are important because these are the testings that God allows to come into our life. The rains are going to come. The floods are going to come. The winds are going to come. And it's going to test your house to see if you're really building correctly in Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6 for the other narrative of this. And I want you to see the severity of it. Jesus is literally going to tell a lot of people. He says, many, many, not a few, but many people will say to me in that day, but Lord, Lord, we prophesied, we cast out devils. We did many mighty things. He's going to say, I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You, you did not hear me and you did not do what I said. <clears throat> we have no relationship. So in Luke chapter 6, what I want you to see, verse, um, if you will, you're going to come down here and see verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, all right? Same as in Matthew 7. It's the same, it's the same story. It's through Luke's eyes. And so he says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep. And laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, it could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. But he that hears and does not is like a man that without foundation built a house upon the earth. Against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So you see it's the same story. It's the same context of what Jesus is talking about. What, what Luke does not have in his story is a group of people, many, many people that face Jesus one day and says to him, Lord, Lord. And they're going to say, we prophesied, we cast out devils, we did many wonderful works. And Jesus will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. That's not in Luke's narrative. But it's in Matthew's narrative. And just after Jesus says that to them, he talks to them about building your house on the rock and not on the sand. And the essential thing is, do you hear what Jesus is saying? And if you hear what Jesus is saying, are you doing it? 
that's the second thing that is so very, very important. Because the one thing that we have to know is that Jesus knows me. Jesus has to know me. And I want you to understand that Jesus does want to know you. He really does. And I'm going to show you how he is going about that in just a moment. So Jesus says here in Luke chapter 6, and I think it is very important, verse 46. You remember Matthew 7, I asked you to remember, Lord, Lord. And here we come to chapter 46, and he says, why call ye me Lord? I'm going to say it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord? Lord, and you don't do what I say. Why do you do this? Why is it so easy to say my name? Why is it so easy to identify who I am? Lord, I mean, that's not little L. That's Lord. That's sovereign of all things. But you don't do what I say. And that's a serious thing for Jesus. He's watching. And he understands and he knows. And I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus knows you. Can you know that Jesus knows you? Absolutely, you can know this. You don't have to wait until his second advent to find out. You don't have to wait till Jesus returns to earth to find out if he knows you or not. You're playing this hoping game. You can know. You can know for sure. And there's some other things that are familiar in this passage of Scripture that are also in Matthew 7. Verse 37 is another one. Judge not. And you won't be judged. Condemn not. You will not be condemned. Forgiven. You shall be forgiven. Talks about giving. A lot of times we just take verse 38 out of context and we like to use it for tithing. Or something of that nature. But verse 38 is a direct reference to verse 37. And it says this. Judge not and you shall not be judged. But if you do judge, you're going to be judged. So be careful. If you choose to go the way of judgment, just know this, it's coming back on you. And when it comes back on you, the way you gave it, it's going to be given. The measure you used is the measure that's going to be used to judge you. And men are going to do this to you. So he doesn't tell us not to judge. He just simply says, if you choose to judge, you better be very, 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 very careful and make sure you are doing to others as you would want them to do unto you. Because trust me, it's coming back to you. And that's what he's telling us. Running over, men are going to give this back. We always think that's such a good thing. It's not necessarily. It's a judgment thing. The same measure you measured. And so we should be, verse 36, merciful as our Father is merciful. Because if we're merciful and we give men mercy, that will come back to us. But he goes into this and he talks about verse 41. um, Why do you behold the mote that's in your brother's eye and don't perceive the beam that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that's in your eye when you yourself behold not the beam that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of your own eye. Then shall you see clearly to pull out the mote that's in your brother's eye. And then he talks about trees and fruit, right? A good tree does not bring forth corrupt fruit. And a corrupt tree does not bring forth good fruit. Every tree is not right. Same as Matthew 7. Do y'all get it? You see we're in the same place. It's the same narrative. It's the same story. And Luke even says, recording what Jesus said, he, he even mentions the comment about how important it is to hear these sayings of Jesus and to do them. To do them. So what are the sayings of Jesus? What is it that Jesus wants us to do? 
What is it that can go on in our life so that we know that Jesus knows us? And please stay with me. Please stay with me. I think it has to do with the man who built his house on a rock or built his house on the sand in the inn. You can't tell the difference till the rain comes. You really can't. Both of the houses look nice. Both of the men are busy. Both of them are going about their tasks. The tasks might not be exactly the same, but houses are being built. Some people heard what Jesus said, and they're actually out there doing it, building the house. There's another group of people who are building their house, and they're prophesying and casting out devils and doing many wonderful works. And it looks really genuine. It looks really good. But a flood's going to come, and it's going to show you the truth. It's going to show you the truth. So what is the truth before the flood comes? And how do we build upon a rock? And so Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? You don't do what I say. So I want you to look at Luke chapter 6, and this is what Jesus says. And I want you to just kind of stay with me in this for just a little bit. The Sermon on the Mount. It is so beautiful. It is, it is about the kingdom of God. It's about being in the kingdom of God. It talks about suffering, persecution, and reproach, and evil for the Son of God. Verse 22. <clears throat> Verse 23, it talks about rejoicing in that day and leap for joy. Because your reward is great in heaven. But listen to this as, as, as we go on. Woe to you that are rich, for you've received your comfort. And woe to you that are full, for you will hunger. And woe to you that laugh now, which everybody in this world wants to do today. You will mourn, you will weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Your fathers did this to the false prophets. But I say, okay, here are his sayings. Right? Here are his sayings. Read it carefully. But I say to you, which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. There's not a lot of people doing that. There are many, 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 many people calling him Lord, but they're not doing that. Verse 27, I hope you see this in your word. I say to you which hear, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. I say this to you which hear. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. To him that smites you on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. Give to every man that asks of you. And of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, and a lot of good Christians in the church world do that, 
What thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But, and here it is again, he's repeating it, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. There's not a lot of people like that. I mean, come on. Right? There's not a lot of people in churches like that. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. And then he goes on to the portions that we've already pretty much looked at. So did you hear him? Are you doing it? The question that immediately comes to me is, how in the world do I do this? God help me. And I'm going to answer that for you through the through the word because it's it's wonderful it's gospel when you get the answer to this it's gospel it's good news all right so stay with me the only thing i'm saying to you right now out of all of this the only thing i'm trying to lay out before you is this guys there is a very serious day of reckoning coming and there're going to be many people who say lord lord to him and he's going to say to them i never knew you depart from me workers of iniquity Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is the wise man. So we've read his sayings. He just told us, this is, this is my sayings. Hear me. And, and you just read it with me. And it's about love. It's about loving your enemies, loving your brothers. It's about doing good to people. It's about being kind, about being tenderhearted. It's about being slow to judgment. It's about being rich in mercy. So many divisions, so many uh, pains, so many abuses, so many hurts in religion. Because there's not many people doing what Jesus said. And in our day, I mean, just read 2 Timothy 3. In our day, this is really scarce in our day. So let's look at it. What is it about this love? And how do we do it so that we can know that Jesus knows us? And this is important for me. So I want you to go to 1 John. We're going to go back and forth from 1 John to John. Because John wrote the first three epistles as well as the gospel. And so we're going to examine some of the things that he says here. And so in 1 John chapter 2, we're told in verse 5. Whoso keeps his word. John was there to hear Jesus. If you hear me and you do it, right? So John's saying in his epistle, whoever keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Praise God. We're getting somewhere now. 
now we're beginning to understand that we don't have to wait till this day when Jesus comes back to find out for sure if we really knew him or not. Now we can know. John is telling us we can know. If we do what he says, then we can know that we are in him. Hallelujah. So what is his word? And then if you will, go to chapter 5, verse 3. And he says here, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he says, verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Okay, so what are his commandments? I sure don't want Moses telling me. I want to hear Jesus, not Moses. So he tells me in chapter 3, 1 John, verse 23, John makes this statement, and this is his commandment. Praise God. We're on track. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. I would say John heard him when Luke was writing in chapter 6 and Matthew was writing in chapter 7. I would say that John the apostle heard him. It was about love. I heard him. It wasn't about casting out devils and doing many wonderful things. It wasn't all about prophecy. It was about love. Not loving the way sinners love, but loving the way God loves. And John would say, I heard him. I heard him. And this is his commandment, to believe on Jesus Christ and to love one another. We're going to deal with the issue of how do we do this. I want you to keep your place in First John. We're coming right back to it. But if you will, go to John chapter 16. And I want you to understand that John writes in his epistle about love being perfected. Because that's what's happening in us. We might call that sanctification, where we're growing in love. And so oftentimes in our Christian life, where our love is lacking, we receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I received that in my life. I'm thankful for that. Some people might call that defeated living. I call that victorious living. That the Holy Spirit can point out to me, why in the world are you so angry with that person driving down the road? Good grief. You know? You have no idea what's going on with them. I mean, just this attitude that I have. And the Holy Spirit, come on, he convicts you of your deals. You know? So he's convicting me of that. And I can own that. And I don't have to make an excuse for it. I can say, I need your love perfected in me. So, he, so I want you to see it's not about perfection. What, what is his commandment? Believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. So it's not about perfection. Notice in John 16, verse 27. And I love this portion of scripture. It says, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And have believed that I came out from God. We're talking about knowing. Jesus said, I never knew you. It is a term of intimacy. It is to the degree that we say a man knew a woman in marriage. It is a term of intimacy. 
And so Jesus is telling us here, the Father loves you because you've loved me and you believe that I came out from God. That's intimacy. The Father is in an intimate relationship with you because you believe in me, Jesus Christ. But it's not about perfection. Because obviously they didn't have perfection. And it didn't change the way God loved them. And it didn't change relationship of father and son. Because now the disciples are saying, Ah, you're speaking like we can understand now, Jesus. We get it. And he says, do you really? You really get it? And he says in verse 32, Behold, the hour comes and it's right now. I just told you that the Father loves you because you love me. Because you believe on me. The Father loves you. But right now, right now, today, you are going to be scattered from me. You're going to be embarrassed of me. You're going to hide from me. You're going to be scattered, every man to his own, and will leave me alone. But I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And I'm telling you this so that in me you'll have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. You're not perfect people. But God is perfect. And this God loves you with a perfect love. And because you believe in me, my Father loves you. And right now, my father knows that every single one of you are going to abandon me. But he still loves you because you believe in me. And because you believe in me, you're coming back. And you'll be faithful and you'll be loyal to me. So I want you to continue with me. And I want you to see in John 13, verse 34... Making a little transition here. I just want you to stay with me. Talking about if you hear my sayings and if you do them. Right? Verse 34, chapter 13. A new commandment I give you. So this is something new. It's coming from Jesus. Not from the old Mosaic commandment. This is coming from Jesus. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I love love. I'm wondering if you're hearing I'm wondering if you're understanding. I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 4. And I just want you to read through this set of scriptures with me. We're going to go back to John. But I want you to see 1 John 4 verse 7. Now let's just read this together. I'm just going to read through this chapter together. And I'm going to talk to you as I go through it with you. Listen to me. Beloved. Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Scratch the love of this world. Scratch the love you've witnessed between humans. Scratch the love you've seen in Hollywood. Scratch whatever love that has come to your definition. This is the new love. This is, you love like me, Jesus said. Sinners even love their own. 
I'm not talking about that. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So if my love is going to be manifested through you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to do acts in people's lives, even to the grossest ones, that give them the opportunity to live and not die. Religion will not give them that opportunity. It'll kill them. But you're different. Because you're born of God. You're going to love like God. So you're going to behave in a way to people, even bad people. Because your Father in heaven, Matthew 7 and Luke 6, is merciful even to those that are evil and unthankful. We think we can draw the line right there. Oh no, your Father doesn't. So... We're going to be like him. I'm talking about knowing him. I'm talking about hearing him and doing what he says. So it's not for Lee Ship to say, oh, I love God and I love people. I can deceive myself. Do I love like God? Do I help the most stubborn, the most ornery, the most mean, the most unthankful, the most uncorrupt people I know in my life? Do I help them with the opportunity to live and not die? It, they, they may not take it, but is it extended? I love this. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want you to go out there and I want you to love people that don't love you. Come on, youth. How many times do you act in something other than love because somebody hurt your feelings? Somebody stole your toy. And you're mad at them. You're not going to talk to them anymore. How does the love of God dwell in you? I'll tell you how. Because the Holy Ghost is able to convict you. Say, this is not the way I behave. What are you doing acting like this? Go ask their forgiveness. Oh, but it wasn't my fault, God. Well, it wasn't his fault. It was our fault, but he came to us. Not when we loved him, but when we didn't. And not when we were good, but when we were bad. And not when we were making vows to change. But when we were ready to crucify him, he came. That's the love of God. I need an altar right now. Beloved, if God loved us, if he so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected. I'm talking about God knowing me. If we love each other, who dwells in me? God. And if God dwells in me, then certainly God must know me. How do I know that God loves me? Because I'm loving like God. And I'm having the Holy Spirit teach me how. Hereby know we that we dwell in him in verse 13. And he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That's how we know. That's how we do it. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. So whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God. 
God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Don't, verse 15, don't just say, Lord, Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I say? Go love. Herein is our love made perfect. Verse 17, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You love first. It would heal a lot of marriages. You first. And that's not what you say to your spouse. What you say to yourself, me first. If a man say, and I love this, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. So anybody can say, I love God. But there's a test to your spiritual confession. And that's the fact that you love the people sitting next to you. You love them the way Jesus does. You want them to make it the way Jesus wants them to make it. Wouldn't that be a great church? Hmm. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to live? Wouldn't that be fantastic evangelism? If these people sitting beside me love me like Jesus. And they know my faults and they know my corruptions. And they want me to live and not die. So how do you know you love God? Because you love your brothers. But not just the ones that are good to you, the ones that are evil to you, the ones that gossiped about you, the ones that slandered you, the ones that hurt you, the ones that didn't invite you to the party, the ones that you didn't that didn't want you around. You love them. You love them even if it was all their fault. You go to them even if it was all their their fault. You go to them. You make it right. You make the sacrifice. That's what love does. I'm just asking you to examine yourself. Do I hear Jesus? And am I doing it? Because as a pastor, it would horrify me for any of you to have to face Jesus saying, I never knew you. So in 1 John chapter 1, talking about love and hate. We love this. He says in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So if I claim that I know God and I walk with God and I have a relationship with God and I love God, but I walk in darkness, then I'm not in the truth. 
But if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So what is walking in light? What is walking in darkness? It's found in chapter 2. And it's found in chapter 2, if you would, in verse 8. Again, a new commandment. I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. It's not in you. And he that loves his brother abides in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. So how do you know you're walking in the light? Because you love your brothers. And how do you know you're in fellowship with God? Because you love your brothers. You love everybody. You sacrifice. You lay yourself down. You come second. They come first. What can I do? How can I help? I know that I know that there's going to be a knife planted into my back, but I have to do it anyway. Love constrains me to do it. To love like Jesus, to give hope possibly in any and every way that I can possibly do it. So how in the world can anybody do this? Who can do it? Who can climb this mountain of love and stand on the top of it? And I mean, Lord, I don't know of a human being that's ever lived that's going to be able to have Jesus say to them, I know you. Because who can love like God loves? How is it possible? And I'll tell you how. And I will tell you that it's the greatest and most neglected gift that God has ever offered to any of his children grossly, grossly, grossly neglected. This baby came 2,000 years ago to rescue us from our sins and to bring us in a relationship with God. I preach this this morning to you as a sobering message. Please know that Jesus knows you. You may be mad at me right now. But I pray to God you won't be mad at me when you face Jesus. Because you know. So how do you do it? How do you love like God? 1 John chapter 4 verse 13. He tells us this. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And in John chapter 14, and I just have a couple of more places I'm going. And I'm preaching a short message on Christmas. So John 14, I'm getting it in today. John 14, verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. Neither knows him, but you know him. You know him, right? It's all about knowing God. It's all about God knowing me, right? But you know him. For he dwells in you. And shall be in you. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful consolation. Verse 20. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I'm in you. I would have to say, verse 20, 
whoever that is, they know God knows them. They're in him. He's in them. And it's all because of the Holy Ghost. And then he says, if you will, in verse 21, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. He's going to come. Listen to me. And I'm just going to close in with this. God has sent you another comforter. The word another is one of like kind. The Holy Spirit's not an angel. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not impersonal. He is the living God. He is the spirit of Jesus. And he's the most neglected person in the church and in the believer's life. He alone is the only possibility for us to love like God. The only way. Without him, give it up. Because you're just going to strive in religion until you die and go to hell. But if you would let the Holy Spirit in, the new birth, be born again of God. And then walk in the Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit will teach you. The grace of God teaches you how to live godly and soberly in this present world and teaches you what is right and teaches you what is wrong. And you can, you can fight it even as a Christian. You can fight it and you can wrestle it and you can shove it back because this is something you, and they hurt me and you just don't know how they hurt me and I just can't, I just can't go there. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is crying, I love them. I love them. How do you deny his voice? How do you deny his cry? But they gossiped about me. They did to me too. They slandered me. They did to me too. They've hurt me. They stuck knives in my back. They stuck me on a cross. And he's up inside of you. That's how you love like God. Because God lives inside of you. And God does it. And it's the most wonderful thing. Love is the most wonderful thing. Love is the most beautiful thing, but yet it is probably the, the least thing that is pursued. Even though Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love. We still want the, we want the gifts and the power. I want to be able to stand up in front of the church and I want to be able to say, hey guys, it's the last Wednesday night of the year and I want to tell y'all how many demons I cast out this year. I want to tell you how many hurricanes changed directions because we prayed. I want to tell you how many people were healed, how many blind see. I want to tell you all of that. That's what we still love. 
testimony to come up here and say, I want to tell you how I was run over this year, how I was abused, how I was misunderstood and I was mistreated. And yet supernaturally by the power of God, I have found myself loving people more. I have found myself forgiving people that I don't want to forgive. I have found myself being kind to people that are the most abusive people I've ever known in my life. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it's the love of God. The love of God. So, I love you. you to hear that from him. I want you to hear Jesus say, I know you. I know you. I am yours and you are mine. I know you. This is a great moment to close. I know you. The Spirit is pushing me to one more thing because there's some of you that are living in such a confined cage you won't even let God in and the only reason you can love like God is because you let God love you amazing what God put in Tanya's heart forgive yourself the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things says the amen the faithful true witness the beginning of the creation of God I know your works you're neither cold or hot you have a numb heart So then because you are lukewarm, just numb, you know what? You sit there, you say, I don't care. I just don't care. I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, increased with goods. In other words, I'm all right. I can make it. I'll make it. I don't need anybody. There's a heaven. I want to go there when I die, and I don't want to go to hell. But I'm all right. I don't need anybody. You don't know that you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich in white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear well there's a lot of shame of nakedness in my life I pray never appears and you anoint your eyes with eyes that you may see for as many as I love I rebuke so don't ever think love means no judgment just means when love is left with nothing else to do but to judge it's going to
going to do it very carefully. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come. I'll come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. And he will overcome, and he will sit with me in my throne, just like I overcame. And I sat with my father in his throne. So this loving God knows where you've been. Some of you that are so hurt, it's practically impossible for you to love. Because you don't trust anybody. You really don't even trust God. So God's kept at an arm's length. Oh, but he's trying every day. Every night. Who is it? It's the Lord. I see you. You say you don't need me. Your heart's numb. You don't care about anything. I see you behind that door and I know that you are miserable and you're wretched and you're poor and I see it and all I want to do if you will give me permission because you know God can blow that door down but he won't if you will open that door I will come in and you know what I'll do I'll sup with you I'll fellowship with you I will make you an overcomer you built walls. If somebody's hurt you, somebody's abused you, a pastor failed you, every pastor you ever have in your life will fail you. The pastors don't stand at the door of your life and knock. Jesus does. It's like Let's keep it like this, Jesus. I'll believe in you and you saved me. And you can have another mark in your crown of another that you saved from hell. And just take me to heaven when you die. Oh, no, no. I'll spit you out. Be hot or cold. You know your heart. You know where you are. God who knocks at the door of your heart loves you. He loves you. And you have no hope but Him. He watches you in the pain and the suffering of your past. And you can fill that in because nobody knows it better than you. You'll never love like God till you're loved by God. So what do you do? I've forgotten how to open the door, Jesus. Maybe you just tell him this morning, kick it down. Come on. Come on. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be blind anymore. I don't want to walk in shame anymore. Come in Take this heart 
and with the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit in my life, massage my heart back to fire. Guys, it has been, I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, it has been too long since you have been intimate with my spirit. And you know it. And I didn't come to give you a nice turkey. I came to give you my kingdom. And I came for you to dwell with me and know me and be like me. Show the whole world how I love. Because I love you that way. That's what I came for. That's what I want to do in your life. I ask you to run to him. Father, in Jesus' name, make us apostles of love. Oh, beloved, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. It's been too long since you've known the fire. It's been too long since you've known the passion. But he's not against you. He doesn't raise his fist against you. He doesn't raise his hand to slap you. He just knocks and says, if you would, I'll revive you. I'll fill you. Isn't it wonderful that the commands of God are the enablements of God? I want you to love like me, so I'm going to give you me. And he'll do it. And he'll convict you. He'll help you. He'll teach you how to love. And that's how you know you're in me. And that's how you know I'm in you. It's because you love one another. How beautiful is love. There's no fear in love. So let Jesus heal your past. Let him heal your abuses. Let him heal your pain. Quit fearing the light. But if God sees me for what I really am, he sees you for what you really are. And he loves you. Quit living with the devil. Walk in the light. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you in regards to some people today. You like to tell the Lord how bad they are. And it's all right. You can talk to God about them. It's not to talk to God just only about how bad they are, how badly they treated you, but it's to receive the love and the kindness to minister to them. Hallelujah. Sobering this morning, I know it. I don't apologize. I'm glad he's touched so many of us today. I want Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want the Spirit of God in my life. I don't want a numb heart. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come to me. Come to me, Lord. Come on, raise your hand. 
Lift up your voices. Begin to ask the Lord. Your tears aren't going to change anything. Tears will change nothing. Start talking to God. Start praising Him. Start worshiping Him. Start repenting. Confess your sin. Well, I've, I've done this a thousand times. All right, we'll repent of it this time. Believe Him. Go on. Go on from here. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your voices. Lift your prayers. In this altar, lift your prayers. What do you want God to do for you? Talk to Him. Tell Him. Tell Him. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Open your mouth and just begin to praise Him. Begin to rejoice in the Lord. Shake off your depression. Shake off your your garments of mourning. Put on the garments of joy. Put on the new man. Just rejoice in the Lord.
Listen to me carefully, every one of you, especially in this altar. You are greatly loved of God. I want you to hear what I believe is such incredible news, such an incredible blessing. But the way Jesus is describing our behavior and our love in Matthew 7 and in Luke chapter 6 is because that's the way God loves That's the heart and the nature of God. He shows mercy to the evil, the unthankful. And I sense and I recognize that it's very possible some of you could sink into a pity because you're looking at yourself 
and you're judging your own love and your own performance, the devil will eat you up. Don't look at yourself. You look at your Father. You look at Jesus. Because first of all, before you go out here and change the world, you just need your Father to love you. He told us to love the unlovely. To be good, to be kind to those that have not been good or kind, that have been abusive. Sinners love sinners. So what's so different about sinners loving sinners? What's so special is your Father in Heaven loves sinners. So He loves people that have failed. He loves you. He cares about you. God is not at all getting His hopes up that we're going to leave here and we're going to be, I'm so different and I'm going to show the world what the love of God... No, you're not. It is the faith to believe the Holy Spirit will do something in my life. There's one thing you could groan for and pray for is intimacy with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. He's neglected how many days of your life? How many days of the week is the Holy Spirit passed over? We say our prayers, we go through our prayer journal, we read our utmost for the highest or whatever it might be, and we go through it because we've done our time with God and we're not praying in the Holy Ghost and we're not praying in the Spirit, we're not dwelling with the Lord and our hearts are not set on fire. The Holy Spirit is your constant friend. Be occupied with Him and you'll find the change happen in your life. But rejoice in the Lord. It's good to be broken. But only for this purpose that in my brokenness I can be strong. Not in my brokenness I can be broken. And don't sink into pity. But rest in the Holy Spirit. Let Him come to you. And be able to rejoice in the Lord. I was beat every day of my life because I was really bad. And I would go to my father after he would just put me in my place. And he would take me up into his arms. He'd love me. And it was it was done. I was healed. Our relationship was great. And we hung out the rest of the day or the night and we played together and it was great. He, he didn't want me to live like, like some beat dog or prisoner because I had failed in his expectations. But he corrected me and I went to my father and he took me up into his arms and he loved me and I was healed and we were joyful and we were happy. He didn't want me sulking the rest of the night or the rest of the week. Your father doesn't want you sulking in your pity. He wants you hoping in His Spirit. And so I want us to hope in the Lord, and I want us to believe in the Lord. Just let Him love you. The delight and the joy of God is that you run into His arms. One of the most beautiful pictures we have of a child of the Father coming to the Father after a, a season of sin was that the father throws his arms around him and puts a ring on his finger and a robe on him and shoes on his feet and kills the fatted calf and throws a party and a celebration. There's music and there's joy. So I just want you to set your heart and don't sink into despair. Don't sink into self-pity and look at yourself and how can I do better? No, 
but you walk with God. It's like, God, I'm learning. I'm learning this. Holy Spirit says, you, you weren't good to those people. You're right, Lord. You were pretty judgmental. You're right, Lord. Help me. I confess that. I agree with you about that. I don't want to be like that. I want to love like you. And he's teaching me the whole time. So can we stand? And and can we just begin like if we were, we're just reaching our arms up to our Father whose arms are extended to us.